0: The great outdoors is a place of enjoyment, peace, and solitude. But at times, the outdoors experience goes dark. Increasingly, outdoors lovers are encountering criminal elements, psychos, dangerous wildlife, and strange weather occurrences. Our goal is to raise awareness by equipping you with cutting-edge information and to shine light into the dark outdoors. Welcome to Dark Outdoors. This is Chester Moore and we're going to have a real treat of a show today and it's a real treat for me personally because being a journalist my entire professional life I almost never get to interview a journalist and uh, our minds are different you can decide whether that's good or, or bad or whatever but uh, we kind of look at things differently and it's always nice to talk to someone who's on a similar but slightly different path and um you know, Delia D'Ambra is a producer with uh, Audio Chuck, and she has a really cool podcast that she does, uh, Park Predators. If that isn't a salacious, awesome title like Dark Outdoors, I don't know what is. So, uh, to talk about uh, her interest in kind of true crime in the great outdoors and what, as an investigative professional journalist, she's seeing out there across the nation, we have her on the program. Welcome to Dark Outdoors.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, I know you have this quest to go out and do all the national parks and you're obviously you're from the Outer Banks of North Carolina, an area I need to go fishing at soon. And you yes. have a, a lot of great, got a great experience in the outdoors, but as a journalist. But um what got you particularly interested in like this criminal element or these mysteries of disappearances and murders and things in parks?
1: I think I was already working on crime stories as Mm -hmm. a, as a broadcast journalist. And Mm -hmm. so being an on the ground reporter, I was seeing that a lot, but actually my first job out of college uh, was in central Virginia, right Mm -hmm. at, Two of the main access points for the Shenandoah Valley and Shenandoah National Park. Mm-hmm. And so I spent a lot of time outdoors, you know, in general, but I started to see crime stories happen in that specific area. And it was just really kind of overwhelming, you know, to be doing on the ground reporting in places like that. I thought, oh, mm-hmm. this is just so massive. And what agencies do I talk to? And it was just, sure. it was a lot. And so I was always struck too by this, the beauty of this area um, to then be kind of marred by some of these, you know, mm. crime stories or, or missing person stories. And so that really was something that kind of like, you know, it struck a nerve for me at the time, but I was mm-hmm. learning how to be a journalist. I was learning how to be a reporter in in the cityscape. Um, so I didn't get to do as much of it, obviously, as I do now. But yeah, that was kind of the the thing with it was just, I have this appreciation for this awesome you know, outdoors experience and landscape, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, I'm seeing all these negative things Mm -hmm. that most people don't even know are going on unless I tell them.
0: Yeah. So that was kind of an
1: interesting thing.
0: Was there a particular case that like, Oh, I got to jump on this and this is going to kind of take me down the rabbit hole of this topic.
1: Um, at that time, I, I remembered covering a couple of missing persons cases mm-hmm. um, that ultimately resulted in uh, perhaps the person uh, choosing, you know, that path for themselves. It wasn't necessarily, um, you mm-hmm. know, a murder type situation. But mm-hmm. I did uh, see that came across my radar. The, um, the the and it was the hikers case that I covered in Park Predators, mm-hmm. which was um, in 1996, two women had been murdered in 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 that area. And. Mm-hmm. You know, again, when you're a young reporter, you're kind of hearing all sorts of stuff come your way and, you know, what are considered historical cases long before your time. And so there were some um, some cases like that that I just kind of heard of or, or knew mm-hmm. about. Um, and that really made me go, oh, what's that? But, you know, at the time, I just didn't have the capacity to do anything on it or make anything new with it um mm-hmm. so yeah that would definitely be one and it ultimately you know several years later it turned out to be one of the first couple episodes for park predators which is just kind of just interesting
0: before we get into the meat of park predators uh you mentioned something about like you were out covering these different stories and you had mm-hmm. to ask yourself okay what jurisdiction am i in who is mm-hmm. over this particular land um Has that been a particular challenge when there's a case and you might have it happening in the state of Virginia, but the land might be owned by the National Park Service or a state agency? Has it been difficult navigating some of those in terms of getting information?
1: It 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 can be and mm-hmm. and what's interesting to me is obviously I do a lot of research based um, you know content production for Park Predators but mm-hmm. I also do some original reporting too so I'll just contact an agency or contact an old mm-hmm. um, official mm-hmm. and yes. There is a very um, confusing network of yes. local sheriff's office agencies, search and rescue task forces, which mm-hmm. is something that I you know, didn't really know about until I started doing this kind of um, journalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's the state agencies, there's the state police, there's the Park Service. There is Forest Service. There is the yes. FBI. You know. So what I've come to, to, to determine is that really depending on the geographic area plus the amount of resources mm-hmm. necessary is really the thing that uh, kind of solidifies what agencies are going to be the leaders of that investigation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in initial news coverage, for example, that may be misreported. Sure. Or at some point in a case, it changes and it's not really said why. And mm-hmm. then you have to look at the even further than that. If something does go into the criminal justice system, for example, mm-hmm. to prosecution, that can also change, quote, jurisdiction, right? You can mm-hmm. start on a state level and then it get moved to a federal court. So there's just so many things. And I think that's a you know the average person that's walking into a nature area or a state park or a preserve is not you know if they need help 911 may not take them to necessarily the person they they think like mm-hmm. the park service or whatever and so um that's just so yeah it's a huge beast in and of itself
0: absolutely and i found that in my own research and uh, i do in my dark outdoors kind of a lot of ongoing things that are happening and mm-hmm. it seems to change every time you reach out to someone who is over it or who You know, the person is to talk to because it shifted to this agency or that agency, you know. And so that's all I always want to ask those kind of questions, because when someone listens to park predators, they need to be able to know that there is a lot of moving pieces that Mm -hmm. can make something like this happen. It's not just, hey, she Googled some stuff and talked about it.
1: Right, and and I think the other piece too is for records, right? Like I've done FOIA requests. Well, FOIA I was about requests, to ask about
0: FOIA requests. Yeah, yes.
1: yeah, FOIA requests with the federal government, or really mm-hmm. even a state government, are rather can be rather lengthy. They can cost a lot of money. Um, mm-hmm. You may get different uh, public information officers representative of where the progress of your request is. Mm-hmm. So that's always interesting. But I will say one thing that is helpful is that older cases, so typically mm-hmm. those prior to say 1990 or in the mm-hmm. 80s and 70s that are, uh, no, you know, have a lot of notoriety to them, you know, mm-hmm. the NPS, the FBI, they have released case file material mm-hmm. um, either to other journalists or or to uh, media entities. So that's really helpful. Um, whereas more of the local stuff, right? Like I've requested reports from a local agency, a local sheriff's office who, you know, maybe that wasn't out there in the public domain. So really digging a little bit deeper than just beyond the okay, what, what sort of archive press coverage is out there? That's kind of the beginning point. But yeah. on some of these stories where that narrative isn't so clear or you need mm-hmm. to dig deeper, mm-hmm. then it's that next layer. And then there's the layer of maybe even reaching out to family and getting family to participate if if they want to so I think there's just a couple of levels to that but yeah FOIA, it's funny when I say it I see your eyebrows rise because I know you 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 get it
0: (laughs) yeah it's pretty crazy like our Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has an open records act what's called in Texas for Mm -hmm. the Texas state agencies and I'll ask some basic thing about like a wildlife conservation story not a crime thing and they'll like, you know, send this thing. And I'm like, I did not ask for that. I have, to, you know, four, sometimes two or three times yeah. you got to, you know, kind of specify. <laughs> yeah. They kind of pass it on to the little guy on the totem pole. Uh, sometimes, you know, like, uh, here's another Open Records Act, you know, but um, there's a lot of information out there to sort through. And when I looked um, at your first, you know, the whole thing that Delia is, is involved in and all these all these things have in this investigation part of it. The thing that really struck me was actually the title of the podcast park Mm -hmm. predators because that can mean one thing to one person right and something else to another person so tell me about the title and choosing that title
1: yeah i chose that title when i first uh pitched the show to ashley flowers with audio chuck back in Mm -hmm. late 2019 or early 2020 and Mm -hmm. i kind of tapped into what you just said which is parks have predators they have Mm -hmm. Animal predators, but they also have what I'm seeing are human predators, sure. and that kind of just covered this array of things that would ultimately become the content for the show. And obviously, the sort of alliteration um, was kind of key for yeah. me, right? Like what when you're making a podcast and you, and you want it to again not be um, something that's so so far out there that only a niche portion of people get, right? Like sure. so, and 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 I didn't want to make it too um too broad with the outdoors sense of things that it kind of maybe didn't reach that true crime audience right because yeah. you knew that that was going to be the the kind of uh main listenership and so that was mm-hmm. really like it all kind of came together for that and i had this idea in my head when i went to them i said i want the font i want the font to look like the font in the uh signs that you see mm-hmm. in the parks like that sure. that font is very like mm-hmm. you know it when you see be a directional sign or or a campground sign, or an NPS sign. And so that to me, just, I felt like that's going to give that feel of the outdoors, but Mm -hmm. it's also going to have that sort of like double meaning for the true crime space too.
0: Yeah. And that was a, a struggle with me because my journey started years back, just doing a couple of broadcasts on my mainstream outdoor radio show, More Outdoors. And then someone asked me at a seminar that I was doing about hogs feral hogs. What's the most (laughs) dangerous thing in the woods? And without even thinking, I just blurted out people. And, uh, and then I did the radio thing I talked about and, uh, you know, I was like, I just really want to shine light into these issues. Oh, dark outdoors. We shine light in the dark outdoors. Cause it covers yeah. a lot of different stuff. So, and the alliteration thing is great. So when I met my hero, Stan Lee, about 10 years ago, <laughs> um, I told, I, I named use every title pretty much. I have in the story has some kind of alliteration. I said, Bruce Banner, Peter Parker, all that warped my mind when I was a kid. So. Yeah. Yeah. That, you remember thought, it. He thought that was funny, but, yeah. um, <laughs> now Park predators uh the the current episode that you have of the boys a're um, mm-hmm. really really tragic story and I kind of if you don't mind like to talk a little bit about that because there's some things that just jumped out at me on that mm-hmm. in particular cases can you kind of give us give us a little a little quick backstory?
1: yeah, so when I was initially researching David Gonzalez and uh, Samuel boy um, mm-hmm. I realized they were similar, right? Because of mm-hmm. the victimology. Yeah. Um, they were both on the West coast of the United States, but I knew that they were separate cases. They obviously happened years apart. Yep. Um. But what was sort of disheartening to me is that there wasn't a whole lot on either one. Like there was enough, mm-hmm. but typically I, I like the park predators episodes to be a half hour to 45 minutes. Yeah. And so I didn't want to, discount the, the amount of time, but I wanted to make sure I did as much research on these stories as possible. Mm-hmm. So I said, let me combine these into a single episode because they really do touch on um, obviously si- similar victims. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like it would really resonate with parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to hear two stories back to back of young boys vanishing, mm-hmm. I thought that's a, a, it's a sad, but a a reinforcing reminder, right. Of just Mm -hmm. how quickly this can happen. And so I just felt like stacking them like that was going to be really um, the way to go about it. Mm -hmm. But I think what, what even was more um, what brought me to them is the fact that like I am a new mom. I have a young son. He's 16 mm-hmm. months old. We are oh, outdoors constantly. We were just hiking in Tennessee and I mm-hmm. just, I had him in a little carrier cause he still fits in that. And I thought he's with me. He's so close to me. I can hold him. He's not going anywhere, but that's not always going to be the case. Sure. And um, so I think those sorts of things kind of all brought it into it. And then, you know, there was enough out there material wise to be able to, Feel like i was doing the stories as much justice and and advocacy as i could um, where mm-hmm. they sit right now
0: now when there is this um uh, this these cases especially with children you know there's a lot of uh there's always a lot of, of chatter out there about you know immediately what happened i mean mm-hmm. was the parent did they do something is it uh mm-hmm. you know was it a, a predator like a mountain lion or a bear mm-hmm. Or was it like a human predator? And in the Gonzalez case in particular, without giving people too much about your episode, yeah. I know that later on, you know, there it's was- It's out there. They can yeah, listen. <laughs> yeah. You know, that one, he was found later, like a year later or so, I mm-hmm. believe, was what it was. And one of the California game and fish people said it, you know, you know, probably a mountain lion attacked and dragged away, which is kind of like just like my outdoors. Because I've, like, I've worked with mountain lions a lot. And mm-hmm. I'm like, it just- I was like, well dude, if there's a mountain lion attack, they're going to be a sign at the spot and then it said well he could have fell down a ravine or something like that and then like a lion but a lion wouldn't have preyed on him then because they don't they don't actually do mm-hmm. uh, scavenging, which is absolutely utter BS because mm. I mean there was a study done in California where they took 46 deer carcasses and put them out in San Diego County and nine different mountain lions came and ate them, you know. Mm. So there's sometimes stuff like that that's like you know like you see evidence of a, of a maybe right. after a fact of like an animal, but what really caused it to go on? And I know that has to be yeah. some of the things that haunt these parents and these in these people.
1: Yeah, and and that one in particular, like I feel like in now in, in several episodes of Park Predators, like that mm-hmm. sort of investigative theory comes up. Like, was this an animal attack? Yeah. Because it's obviously. Mm-hmm inherently possible right with, sure. with most things that happen in the woods and mm-hmm. and we know particularly in and around um you know high population human activity areas that wildlife in those areas often becomes accustomed to that so so their their mm-hmm. their fear right like yeah. for bears for example like mm-hmm. they're just there because they know food's there so so there is that that piece of yes mm-hmm. animals can come in contact with humans um but to your point i think the big thing with the david gonzalez case is that that initial. So, yeah, vanishing,
0: yeah. and
1: why there's no indications or signs of an animal attack. And I actually think about it was a news story. I think just a two or three years ago out in Colorado, this young boy was playing in his family's backyard, and mm-hmm. he survived. A mountain lion came, mm-hmm. grabbed him, got a hold of his head, and kind of dragged him into mm-hmm. like the shade of a tree, mm-hmm. and you know, the parents came out and and the boy, I think was able somehow to get away, but he was young, but there were signs, there was, there was blood, there was indications of something that had happened. There was even, um, like a sound that's what's got the mom's attention, I believe. So, Mm -hmm. and, and so I think about that and I, and I kind of go somebody, I mean, there would be something there, right. That would prove that doesn't mean that that didn't occur later Mm -hmm. once Mm -hmm. his, his body is somewhere, unfortunately, but yeah, there's that piece of it. Um, and then we know in that case that, I believe uh, either the day or in the days prior, there had been a sighting mm-hmm. of a, a large, you know, feline predator mm-hmm. in that general area. Mm-hmm. And they move fast, but yeah, it's it, that was one of the cases, this case was one of the ones where that, that animal theory, to me, I talked about it more because it had more mm-hmm. traction than in other cases I've covered where it was just kind of thrown out there and then like clearly, You know, Mm -hmm. it was just fizzled out because there was just nothing to move it in that direction.
0: In increasing numbers, people across North America are going missing in the wild. Dark Outdoors is committed to shining light on this topic and raising awareness when public interest in these cases fades away. This week's missing in the wild case is the case of Kevin Cipher. He's missing in the Rocky Mountain National Park area in Colorado. Kevin Seifer was last seen in the Sand Beach Lake parking area near the Wild Basin Entrance Station in the southern portion of Rocky Mountain National Park the afternoon of April 30th, according to a park news release. He was initially reported missing from the park on Thursday, April 27th, but was located in the Denver area on Saturday and then reunited with family. However, on Sunday, Cypher was with a family member near the Wild Basin entrance of the park when he reportedly quote, willingly walked away from the vehicle he was traveling in. Cypher is six foot two, 180 pounds, with gray hair and brown eyes. He was last seen wearing a gray hooded sweatshirt, blue baseball hat, blue jeans, and cowboy boots. If you have any information, you can call or text the National Park Service Investigative Services Bureau tip line at 888 888- 653-0009. That's eight 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 six five three zero 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 nine. 653 9 Or email NPS underscore ISB at NPS.gov. I think the complicated part of this, and I think you nailed it, you know, was the fact that you could have something happen with a person, fall, somebody could kill them. And then the animal, their their body's right. there, not to get gory, but an animal of some kind is going to mm-hmm. eat the body, you know. And um, so that's what was the one thing's like. They don't scavenge. They don't. Yes, they do scavenge. It's not primarily a scavenger, but especially in areas where you got thirty million people like California, and you have mm-hmm. a growing mountain lion population, there's a lot of free deer on the roads smashed and stuff like that uh, easy prey and so you kind of have things like that but i think just following and listening to other clips on shows and things some of these disappearances and things you talk about it seems something that interests you and i think it may probably interest all the listeners out there is how quickly some of these disappearances can happen i mean within a minute three minutes you know and someone can be completely gone i mean that that to me is the haunting part of this
1: yeah, and and I I think the reason for that is, you know, whether it's animal attacks or weather events, these are all parts of the elements of these areas and these mm-hmm. landscapes mm-hmm. that you know if you're talking about rapid snowfall, for example, or even rainfall, mm-hmm. um, and you're you, and you're near any kind of water, I mean, those are you're gone. I mean, you're you're sure. you, so so. There's lots of factors that I think make it obviously challenging, but. If you're looking at a case where, say, abduction is a very strong theory mm-hmm. or we know it's a proven you know, proven event that yep. occurred,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's so true. I mean, it is so true. And I think that's what really, I hope, grips people mm-hmm. when they're in the outdoors, when mm-hmm. they're in these recreation spaces, is use caution for yourself, your loved ones. I think there's this sort of... Um, I don't know, false faith we have in the outdoors where it's like, oh, it's free. It's open. We can do anything and go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But that's when your guard isn't up. And I'm not saying go into these places being paranoid that, you know, a crime's going to occur against you or or something like that. But that's the thing that um, people, nefarious people and really the elements are banking on. Sure. You know, that that mm-hmm. that's that's how we will see. Yeah. And be unprepared. And um, it, it takes me back to I, my husband and I went on our honeymoon in um, Yosemite mm-hmm. a couple of years back. And we did this this really awesome hike. But there's fissures in the rocks in Yosemite, mm-hmm. like even at the high points. And so you can be walking flat across what looks like a big, you know, granite uh, surface. Mm-hmm. And you look down a couple of feet and there's just this fissure. Wow. in the rock mm. with a straight drop. And I remember yeah. our, our tour guide saying, hey, you have to look at your feet when you walk because mm-hmm. you are going, you could very well fall right down into to the valley. Um, and that was really wild to me. And I thought, man, if I'm out there taking selfies or, or what have mm-hmm. you, or my dog goes and takes me, like all of these things are just, it's terrifying. Yeah.
0: I, I live here along the t- coast of Texas and um, we the coastal marshes are pretty rough rugged area a lot of people are just like hey i watched this on a disney show or this was on animal planet you know or whatever mm-hmm. and it's really cool and they don't understand some of the inherent dangers that they can be aware of so they can still have a great time but be safe you know
1: and i think a big point of what you just said is and it goes kind of goes back to like childhood the buddy system mm-hmm. right like if you were alone in that scenario yeah your likelihood of uh-huh. survival or or the rate of getting help Mm-hmm. goes <laughs> goes down right like yeah. the when you're alone when you have someone with you and i think so that's another thing too and i see that throughout the stories that i research mm-hmm. is you know the more people the better right like the more yep. eyes the more people to say hey that person seems to be following us or you've sure. seen that person a couple times now or you know these sorts of things um really i think are nothing but a benefit um, when you're yep. out in areas that you might be inexperienced or you've never visited before also doing your research before you go. I mean, that sounds like, you know, no, a that's... commercial for a tourist bureau, but I no, mean, the, the, the sites for some of these places are so well versed in where to go, what to do, mm, directions, mm-hmm. closures, right? Like where you can't go where, you know, and, and why. And so I think that's really important for people to know. And, and I think, you know, NPS and state agents stuff, they do their best, right? Like mm-hmm. they're on social media and stuff like that. But I think really we have to like self-educate our, you know, ourselves. Sure. Um, and I think that's really important. That's something that, again, I don't, none of the people I've covered, do I fault them? Like right? these, these folks are victims because they're victims, but in general people, you know, as society, we should be educating ourselves before we go into these places where truly we, we don't belong. Like mm-hmm. people are sub- supposed to be you know with other people I, I think in some ways like it's beautiful and it's wonderful but there there is an inherent hey in the back country where it's nothing but grizzly bears like we are the we are the outlying element there like we mm-hmm. are the the thing that doesn't belong um so we need to be aware of that.
0: Yeah, but there's nice trout in grizzly country, and that's the problem. And I have a fly That's ride. why they're there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and I actually, you know, I sent a PDF out to people, my survival tips and just safety stuff. And one of them is, you know, make a plan, research. Mm-hmm. And I had to do that myself. I had I'd scouted a place in Yellowstone a few years back, and I knew there was a bunch mm-hmm. of big Yellowstone cutthroats I wanted to catch. And um, But there had been a grizzly scene fairly close. So when I got there, I realized the shoreline, Uh, The stream was about mm, 15 yards from the brush line. That means if a grizzly Mm. popped up, it's not going to be a half mile away. It's going to be right there. So I did the right thing and went somewhere else. I know. uh, Yeah, that's what I had to do. But, you know, in part predators, I mean, of course, people a lot of times want to hear about, you know, the ones that are probably involved with a human, a serial killer, right. or an abductor. Right. Are there been any particular investigations that you have done on the human predator side or suspected human predator side that really just sent chills down your spine?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think the one episode that sticks with me, if we're talking about specifically a serial killer is... Um, the predator from season one of park predators. It's the Mm Carrie Stainer episode. Mm -hmm. Um, He had multiple victims Mm -hmm. very well possible, had more victims than, than we know of Mm -hmm. Um, just the whole story of those young women uh, and one of their moms. And then someone who actually worked in Yosemite national park. This was back in the, the late 1990s, I believe Um, Mm -hmm. just heartbreaking, heart wrenching, but I have personally been to Yosemite and I have seen these, these places that mm-hmm. they were at and I just thought, man, like they just didn't stand a chance against this person. Mm-hmm. And this person was truly, truly evil. Um, and so that one was really hard because it, it was just, you saw this life of a person mm-hmm. and the fracture effect that they had on humanity. Yeah. and on people's lives so that was very um that one was very involved and also kind of odd that his brother steven stainer was sort of a like sort of this american icon um mm-hmm. for a period of time after surviving an abduction which is just like just the whole the whole circle of that family was just
0: that's unreal wild. Yeah.
1: yeah yeah it's so wild um but then you know there was another one um the hunter Um, That that episode was another serial killer as Mm -hmm. well that operated in in Florida and um, I believe Georgia. And just what that one really bothered me the most is um, he was sort of a transient floater type individual mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who just went to these places and and murdered people and there were so many instances where maybe he was pulled over or he did speak with law and he just slipped through just slipped through the cracks because he's this sort of person that no one really wants to spend much time around and just kind of say i'm mm-hmm. done with him mm-hmm. whatever and that and i thought man how many lives could have been saved if just one interaction had gone differently and that one really made me think about when we're places and you know that that hair on the back of your neck stands up about a person
0: that
1: mm-hmm. doesn't mean you 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 know you behave terribly like, it just means that you are aware of that and if you mm-hmm. see something say something and and stay on it um because if that had happened in that case uh it it could have saved lives and so that one was just a reminder of like when you get that sketchy vibe
0: mm-hmm. that's
1: for a reason
0: because yeah, you know, I had it's the, first epi- it's true, it's true. <laughs> the first episode of Dark Outdoors. I had Stephen Michaud on who sat across from Ted Bundy for six months mm. and interviewed him. And, um, you know, Bundy did a lot of his deeds. He took him to the outdoors. And I asked him, like, if I ran into, like, Bundy was alive and I ran into him going in the backcountry fishing or hunting or whatever. And I confronted him. he started, Obviously, if he was hurting someone, I would confront him. Would he strike right. back? He's not. He's a wimp. He would have ran because you're a man uh-huh. and you're like, you're probably bigger than he was. Mm. He goes, then he clicked and this I get chills right now. He said, but if you were a woman, he could not have helped himself. And yeah. he probably has fantasized about doing this since he was a kid, whoever this predator is. And mm-hmm. there's this element of some of these people. I mean, the, the word predator is used, but can you kind of expound on the human element that some of these people are literally not just randomly going to kill, but literally purposely being predators not like they're just finding someone and whatever they're out there hunting people
1: yeah and you know i don't like to dwell too much on serial serial killers i don't like to glorify anything that they've done but i will say this Mm -hmm. (laughs) from having done this show is um time and time again with these cases specifically in the outdoors these are individuals that are extremely familiar With Mm -hmm. the landscapes or the routes to the landscapes in which they are either committing their crimes, Mm -hmm. stalking individuals, or covering up their crimes. Mm -hmm. Um, So, meaning that the crime didn't occur there, but they use Mm -hmm. it as a dumping ground, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, So, for me, what I see is uh, a lot of familiarity in that individual and what does a natural predator do Mm -hmm. in their environment, right? Mm -hmm. Like mountain lions and, and, um, rattlesnakes or or whatever Mm -hmm. uh, that, that animal is. They are inherently, you know, adept at navigating and Mm -hmm. going back and going back and going back to the places that
0: sustain
1: them. And that is so apparent in these uh, pattern human predators with Mm -hmm. these cases. Um, The backpackers episode from park predators last season um, Mm -hmm. in Australia perfect example, um, Balanglo State Forest um or state park, that that is just, I think it was seven victims in total, maybe nine. Mm-hmm. Um, it just is is so pattern. Um, mm-hmm. and to me, that's what you see reflected in a real predator mm-hmm. is that returning that ability to to navigate and, and replace and blend in um and while we're speaking about that, I think when you talk about these parks that are perhaps maybe not as remote, that are more mm-hmm. tourist built, so like the Yosemites, the Yellowstones, the Rocky mm-hmm. Mountain National Parks, those sorts of things, um, part of the camouflage of these individuals is to be like everyone else there. So they're Mm -hmm. not necessarily going to be the loner off freaking everybody out. They are perhaps someone who knows their Mm -hmm. targets are going to be dog lovers. Their Mm -hmm. targets are going to be photographers. So what are they going to do? They are going to mimic that to have interaction with their targets. And so um, I think that that allows us all to be very cautious of the random stranger who, you know, who jumps in and takes your photo and then you see him again and they take your photo again. And, it, or, or, you know, mm-hmm. you're staying at the same campground and and then suddenly, you know, you see him again at the next one or, or whatever. Um, so I just think that that's the kind of stuff you have to be aware of because yeah. these are not always going to be people who are, you know, sitting on a cliff top somewhere by themselves, just looking. I mean, that can be the case, but you know you just got to think about these people's minds and and what they're really after and they're gonna they're gonna try and find it however they can
0: well one of the things we do on this program is our, our goal is to shine light into the dark outdoors so we do a missing in the wild segment every episode uh someone's currently missing and right. uh, put information out there and that. and that's to me that's a very important part of this because like you i don't want to glorify i have to talk about serial killers but you know right. i don't want to glorify we don't talk about gory details Pray, prepare, and pack heat. It's time for some dark outdoors defense strategies and techniques. But something that I've seen time and again in the last two years has been the prevalence of older people going missing in these parks. Mm-hmm. And I know you had one episode in particular, I do believe um, you mentioned some older people. Right. But can you can you talk about some of that? Because I think the kids obviously pull at our heartstrings. There's a lot of we have an aging country and, mm-hmm. you know, we have dementia and different things factored in. I think that's something that probably isn't talked about. I don't know. Some of the older people that go missing.
1: Right. Yeah, I, I think at the top of my head, I think about um, the road trip, which was an episode just currently released. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's actually a double murder case. But um, I I also think about uh, the tower, which was an episode from from season three, which was an elderly woman in her seventies mm-hmm. who was a fire tower operator in Canada. Mm-hmm. But these wow. are these are people, though. When you think about it, when you really think about it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: people who are spending—I don't know what the st- statistics are—but people who are spending a long long stretch of time on a trip are not necessarily 30 and 40 and 20 year olds, right? They are retired individuals who have Mm -hmm. their RVs. Mm -hmm. They have all this time and they want to go do these things or they finish their career. Their kids are grown and now they want to volunteer or they want to work for a park entity or or something that they enjoy, Um, which was the case with with the cases I just mentioned. And so, Yes, there is quite a bit of 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 the elderly population who mm-hmm. are in these parks and in multiple parks more frequently. Yep. And so with that, you know, are they victims of opportunity um, as a young child would be? Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, if someone has nefarious intentions, they're going to pick a target potentially that can't fight back or or that yeah, is, speaking, you know, yeah. generally. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but I also think there's that piece of it, too, where. Their survival rate of someone who is older, if they are exposed to the elements, or they become lost, or they become injured, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's a that's not a, a optimistic outlook for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, I think again, I kind of go back to that piece of: Are we prepared ahead of time? Where are we going? What mm-hmm. does the landscape look mm-hmm. like? what What are the things I'm going to be exposed to? What time of year am I going? Am I going to be putting mm-hmm. myself in a situation that's not ideal or that could make me vulnerable? And I, I definitely think that the older population they're so ready to get out there, right? Um, yep. And 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 spend their time in their RV or whatever. Um, but having that kind of pre planning, it's funny. There's a guy and and a, his grandmother that recently just finished. They visited all the national parks together. I think she's like in her, in her Mm eighties and she went with her grandson or her son. I think it was her grandson. And they like did this whole thing Mm -hmm. together, but like her, the guy with her is like 30 or 40 you know like so he's he's sure. a nice companion to have so then the event something would yep. happen she can still fulfill this dream and it's still a positive experience but she's utilizing the buddy system but the buddy is also someone who is um you know uh, a bit more uh youthful in the sense that they can navigate and um be you know a protector of sorts kind of thing
0: well, I think a lot of this roots in terms of park predators and your just love of being in the outdoors. And you right. have this goal of <laughs> kind of like me. I mean, I love what I do, but I kept running into crazy stuff. So I'm like, other yeah. people have to as well. I know you said you're on a journey to do that yourself, to go to all the different mm-hmm. national parks. In your time in the outdoors, have you ever ran into a dangerous situation with animals or people or weather?
1: Um. Yes, definitely weather. Uh-huh. Um, my husband and I... <laughs> Weather and animals, my husband and I were um, fishing down in the, basically between the Florida of keys in the dry tortugas, which is kind of like no man's land out there. Um, yep. and we got caught in this torrential rain, uh, bull sharks were surfacing right by our boat. They were, they were taking our tarpon like right as we were reeling them in. So, mm-hmm. you know, one shift off the boat this way or the other, you know, there's, there's that, uh, that's kind of more of an element thing as far as people go. I mean, yeah, I, I've had, um, several times where I just got that spidey sense feeling, Yes. about a person. And mm-hmm. there have been times where I thought, let me just take a picture of that license plate. Let me just make yep. sure. Um, mm-hmm. But probably the, the biggest thing uh, that I was sort of aware of was um, my husband and I, when we got engaged back in 2019, we got engaged at 13,000 foot peak in Rocky Mountain National Park. Uh, By we're the way, all alone. I, will be,
0: I will be in Rocky Mountain National Park what? with an expedition of kids in 10 days. It's oh my, my favorite place my favorite place on the planet. So I had to throw that in there. there.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. we got engaged there. We got married there. We vacationed there. Um, But it was just us. Uh, there had been a huge snow drop. It was like April of 2019. There had been mm. this massive snow dump. We were, our last flight that got into Denver, they canceled all the flights mm. after that. So we go up there, him and I. I didn't know he was going to propose. It's so bad. The snowfall and ice is so bad that when we get to the top and there's this parking lot that should be full with cars, there's not a single car, the mm. ranger at the ranger station is headed back down the mountain so he's like that's not good i didn't know my husband's gonna propose so i'm like we need to get out of here now like because we are good 10 miles from the the gate or the next station and i remember he's like no no we have to go out I, like he wants to propose so we go out on bear lake and it's frozen over um Love and bear he He does the proposal thing. But right before that, I had gone to the ranger window to be like, is there a ranger up here? Or did that one Mm -hmm. guy just leave? Like, is there another person? There wasn't. But there was this giant poster of a man that had just gone missing a few days earlier. Mm. And I knew that based on the weather, yeah, this guy is out there. He's likely not going to make it out of this. Like we were in snow drifts, like at least four or five feet high. Like it was it was nutsy. And I remember this poor guy. So even though that wasn't like super scary for me, I sure. just was like, this is so real right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just reminded me of just like how alone you really can be. Um, but we made it and then we got married later. So it was fine.
0: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, he's a good dude. If you pr- I have a, we have a youth children's ministry outreach. We work, um, That's to cool. work with, we work with hurting children, kids that have been through trauma and terminal mm-hmm. illness, even girls that have been through sex trafficking. And, wow. uh, I had a young man who went through our program eight years ago and he wanted to start helping when he graduated high school and he's an outdoors guy. So he went with me on a trip to help a young boy in Colorado. We took him into Rocky Mountain National Park doing photography. And he mm-hmm. he's from here. He's never been in the mountains. He, he sits on the top of the Alpine up by uh, at that Rock Pass area. He goes, Mr. Mm-hmm. Chester, I, whoever I'm going to marry, I'm proposing right here on the Aww. spot. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and I said, dude, if you, if you get her up here, she's gonna marry you. I mean, it's too cool. Yeah, but uh, you know, but I think that's a great way to kind of wrap this up. Is that we have these exciting conversations because we love the beauty of nature, the serenity mm-hmm. of nature. For me, I love the scenery, but man, I love seeing. I'm, I do a lot of photography and all that, right. so I'm looking for big horn sheep and elk and moose the and wildlife, bears and all this cool stuff. um But there are inherent dangers and things like that, and um, I think it's really cool that you're taking this investigative approach and taking some of these sometimes cold cases or cases that haven't been maybe uh, spoken about enough and raising awareness to this. And, uh, you know, being a younger woman here, that's also an important thing that you're doing this because, I mean, a lot of the young chicks we work with, they think they're the Hulk you know, you know, they're going to go out there and like, nothing is going to hurt me. And uh, I'm like, listen to my Bundy episode. Uh, But um, you know, I think it's important that we all just, like you said, you keep talking about doing the research as simple as going to the park website or social media. Here's what the weather Mm -hmm. conditions are. Here's what's going on. You know, I think these are great things out there, but um, just to kind of wrap things up um, before I ask you all the ways we can connect with you. (laughs) why should someone listen to park predators? Maybe someone is listening to this. Is, they do listen to my show because they hunt and fish and they come across this stuff. Right. But um, what about park predators? What well, might like you want to take that deep dive and spend your weekend listening to, listening to you talk about these crazy cases?
1: I think it is a reminder of all the things Mm -hmm. we need to be reminded of, which is to be cautious for our own safety and for the safety of others. I also Mm -hmm. think it's important to know about the past in order to be better prepared for the future. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's, it's a a big part of loving the outdoors is respecting the outdoors. And so that's another big piece of this as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think people, I think people like to listen and would, if they have an outdoors bent would like listening to this podcast because it has a lot of like you can see yourself in the stories. okay, and I yeah. think that that mm-hmm. gives life to these victims who mm-hmm. can no longer have that. Wow. And so I see reflections in myself and particularly a lot of the female victims, Yep, because or the female survivors,
0: yeah, you like those they you like those stories?
1: Yeah, yeah. and they don't get to talk anymore. And so I think that's something that is really important. And so if you're an avid uh, fisherman or fisherwoman or um, hiker, look at these people like you would look at yourself or your Mm -hmm. colleagues and your friends that are with you and be Mm -hmm. reminded that these people are real and that this Mm -hmm. happens. Um, And I think that that is like, that's what I want people to listen for and to take away, um, which is really important when it comes to this kind of work.
0: I love it. So tell me all the bajillion ways we can connect with you out there on all your platforms.
1: Yeah. So Park Predators is available yep. everywhere. Um, yep. You can listen. If you want to connect with me, it's uh, Dilia DeAmber TV on Twitter, mm-hmm. um, and then I'm on Instagram, uh, Dilia D'Ambra W. Um, yeah, Facebook. I mean, you can find me pretty much anywhere. I mean, if omnipresent. You can't find me- it,
0: omnipresent yep. in the in the social media space. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks. The only
1: things I'm not on, I'm not on TikTok. I don't do TikTok. Me either. I, don't do I hear, I hear though that there's quite a bit of posting about park predators on TikTok. So mm-hmm. I'm always like, hey, that's great. I'm just not there. I don't see it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can't get over my first image of a TikTok dance that someone showed me, and that kind of burned me on it. You know, so.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh,
0: but also thanks too, for I think. Doing-
1: I was going to say, if people want to know more about like the show and just the productions in general mm-hmm. is Audio Chuck as well. Audio Chuck social media handles. You're going to find everything and all this stuff that tells you about new episodes and stuff as well.
0: Well, if you're listening to this show, you just click in the description. We'll put out our links and all that kind of stuff where we can find all this. And uh, thank you so much for taking your valuable time, especially as a new mom, uh, to be on the program.
1: <laughs> you're welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: If you would like to share your dark outdoor story, email chester at ChesterMore.com. If you would like a PDF file of my personal survival tips, put survival in the subject line. Read my wildlife writings and follow my Higher Calling Wildlife podcast at highercalling.net. Remember, never enter the wild without prayer and preparation.